Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Brothers, sisters, gender resistors. Welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. This is episode 86, and I'm your host, the con man, Matt Connolly. And boy, do we have a show for you today. But firstly, let's do the plugs as we always do at the top. Dom, way better at this than me. But you can follow us on the Twitter, at WSBFUN. We've got quite a lot of followers there. I would advise you also follow us on the Instagram if you're not. I'd imagine if you're listening to this, you are. But if not, yesterday was a fantastic example. Um, I say yesterday, you're probably listening to this at the weekend. So Sunday, before you listen to this, Dom, (laughs) at the Red Pro Show. Doing a fantastic job. He even managed to grab BT's Rob Armstrong at halftime for a, <laughs> a minute. Um, really fantastic stuff. Always documenting the show so well. And there's a nice little back catalogue now building on the Instagram. It is well worth your time. We're also on Spotify, and I'm sure you've got this link from the Twitter on onto the Spotify. But if not, follow us on there as well. Right, I've got all that out of the way, and I suppose it's time that we talk in this episode mainly about the showcase of the Immortals. And I have two fantastic guests with me first up it's ross the boss how are you mate and firstly i'd like to ask how messy did rev pro get yesterday well firstly thanks for having me on secondly rev pro got very messy for two people and that would be james and dom (laughs) 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 i think the quote exact from Dom was that he was in the doghouse this morning because he came home as drunk as 10 men. <laughs> Fantastic quote. <laughs> what was there the was... barbecue situation out of 10? Oh, it? mate, I've got qualms with that venue. I do not like the York Hall at all, but the biggest issue for that is the bar. And honestly, they had, well, they've got technically three bars at York Hall for large parts of the show yesterday. Uh, there was only one of those bars open and only one person behind that bar. So imagine the queue size. Yeah. Rubbish. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm sad that the tradition of them having a terrible bar has continued, to be honest. Because um, the wrestling wise, it looked like a real a real hoot of a show. So to know that the bar still is a stinker is sad to hear. Uh, we haven't just got Ross here, though, today. We have also got everyone's favourite fox. Josh, how is life? It's all good, mate. It's the best week of the year, really, ain't it? For wrestling fans, it's it's Christmas, it's birthdays, it's Easter, it's all them wrapped into one. Do you look forward to, the, because of now it feeling like more than WrestleMania, really, with all the extra shows that run, do you look forward to this weekend more than Rumble? Because I always think Rumble's the one I look forward to, but when you add in these other shows, it is a real big weekend, isn't it? Yeah, I agree with you, because, like, I think even if you don't like WWE, I think there's still plenty to watch. Like, Joey Janela's wrestling Kota Ibushi, for example. Like, that's cool, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it certainly is. Abushi's got a few, right? He's was there something else? Like, has he got speedball? I imagine that. I'm not sure. I know he's booked on a few different things. Um, I've got a feeling Bloodsport might have him and Speedball. I probably got that wrong, but I'm thinking it's them too. Ross, do you know? Mate, I don't know about that. If Speedball's got him, that's awesome booking, isn't it? Um, anyway, I'm not sure. I'm, uh, but yeah. So, Josh, are you still keeping up with the match blog? Is it a match a day? You were doing? Uh, no, well, I got sick a, a little while ago, so that's kind of fell by the wayside a bit. But um, I am doing a blog this week. Uh, I watched it yesterday, reviewing WrestleMania 21, which is the last time WWE went to Hollywood for WrestleMania. So, yeah, that was a heck of a show. And then other than that, I've got... I was saying to Ross 
before we started recording, I'm going to have to come up with some form of schedule this weekend to try and fit everything in. Yeah, it, it used to just be that your sleeping pattern got ruined for the one night of Mania, but as the years have gone on, it's like like you say, it all kicks off about Thursday or Wednesday, doesn't it? Show after show and so many hits. We could talk about it all day. Sadly, I don't think we've got the time. I don't think the editor Phil would appreciate that. Who are you? We are the knights who say... No, not the knights who say me. The same! Let's move swiftly on to an announcement that came out at the Rev Show, actually, you were at, Ross. Um, and one of our former guests, Eddie Dennis, um, it appears that he's now retired from in-ring competition. Um, Ross, have you got anything you'd like to say about Eddie Dennis generally? I know you're obviously a huge fan, having seen his journey up through progress. Yeah, definitely. Um, must admit, I was pretty shocked I had Eddie Dennis to win the damn thing in the pickums. <laughs> I was expecting an Eddie win, but um, storyline-wise, it was quite cool. Connor Mills was the one that threw him out, someone that trained by Eddie Dennis, and as the heel, he was faux kind of um, trying to stop people from throwing him out in the Rumble, and people were like, oh, that's a nice touch, because he's a trained by him, and then it was all a ruse, and he threw him out. But yeah, Eddie Dennis, someone that I fell in love with almost from the first time that I saw him, from the brilliant theme tune to the fact that he was wrestling in a tag team with Andrews, two charismatic, high-flying, fun-loving baby faces that were just a highlight of pretty much every show that I was on. Then obviously, through hardship and bad luck, he was one of the ones who missed out on the Cruiserweight tournament, and the initial boom of wrestlers being signed, he wasn't part of because he wasn't even a, a full-time wrestler. Then he had to bet on himself and give up a head teacher's job to become a full-time wrestler, something that's very inspirational to a lot of people. And he did it. He did his dream. He lived his dream. He got injured again. Unfortunately, he only wrestled a handful of times on TV in the few years that he was a WWE wrestler. He spoke about that on the podcast that we did with him, where he's got some regrets about that. But boy, oh boy, did that man leave a legacy. If this is it, obviously with wrestling, never say never. But if this is it, the legacy is there for sure. The Wembley ladder match, the NXT takeover matches that he had with the likes of Mastiff. There's countless moments, countless memories. The Progress title win at Ali Pali. Plenty of moments of cheers, boos. He was a great heel as well for Progress. There's not a lot more that I can say about him other than every time that I've met him, he's been an absolute gent, always willing to talk to his fans. The podcast that he did with us was brilliant. And I don't think it's going to be a loss to the British wrestling scene overall because I feel like he's such a, a positive force in the wrestling business that I think he'll be around in some way, whether that be training or mentoring in some kind. But he will be a loss in the ring because there's not many people that have got the charisma that Eddie Dennis had or has. And yeah, I must admit, I was pretty shocked when the uh, lights started to come up at Rev Pro and Eddie Dennis kind of sadly walked out at the end where half the people had already left and he put his boots in the ring and just kind of said his farewells with a kind of a wave. No kind of promo or anything. Felt kind of deflating in some way, like that he's worthy of a bigger send off. So I don't know whether it's going to be his final one, but if it is... Thanks for the memories, Eddie, because you've been fantastic for the British wrestling scene. No, that's really well put, Ross. I, I agree with loads of your points there. For me, when I think of Eddie Dennis, um, I think of him as just a fantastic heel. When I first started going progress, he, he just turned on Mandrews. 
And he main evented a dome show where he really got the crowd riled up to the point there was nearly a physical altercation, actually, which uh, he probably didn't expect. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, just a really dislikable figure, but maybe not to everyone, because I remember towards the end, especially of that Mandrews feud, it was almost like a 50-50 split. You know, the Progress fans had always, I'd imagine, held a soft spot for Eddie and kept bringing up on the forums and stuff that he was making good points. So culminating in that ladder match and those damn tables not breaking, unfortunately... But still, to have that moment at Wembley Arena with, you know, one of his best friends, I'd imagine, in Mandrews is, is something, let alone the fact he got to go and live the dream in Dari. So if this is if this is the end of the journey in ring for Eddie Dennis, then that's a sad moment for British wrestling. But like you say, hopefully he hangs around and uh, we get to say goodbye if, if it is that, you know, hopefully at Progress and maybe even at Rev Pro again, he can come out and, and address the fans on the stick a bit. But that's those are my thoughts. Josh, do you have anything you'd like to add about Eddie Dennis? I think for me, it was just the the energy that that entrance and party hard brings to an, to an arena. I've not quite experienced anything like it. And I think some people are big on entrances. I'm one of those. So I think if you've got a great entrance, it just gets the crowd into it before the match. And if you go back to the unboxing show, for example, I mean, the tag match with Sunshine Machine was fantastic. But the energy from the crowd was already there from the entrance itself. And I think anyone who can bring that to any sort of wrestling show deserves a hell of a lot of credit on top of everything you guys have just said about an icon of British wrestling, really. Yeah, I think it's a really great point, Josh. In the entrance, this sign that followed him round. I remember that being a massive moment at the Ali Pali show that I went to as well when they turned up and all the boys got together, the old gang. So, yeah, um, hopefully we will get the chance to uh, experience Eddie Dennis in another way. But if you want to uh, experience a really good interview, then dive back into our catalogue because... The Don Van Dam interview with him really is worth your time. Uh, Eddie Dennis was a really giving guest. Right, we've gone long there, but I think Eddie Dennis deserved it. Ross, do we have a call-up sheet? We certainly do. Play that jingle. Right, okay, there's quite a few people that wanted a shout-out for this one, so let's get to it. First up, we've got Epic Toys Podcast, the official podcast of the Epic Toys line from Wrestling Trader. The Epic Toys Podcast, was that? Yep. Okay. I've not got much, but I mean, the word epic, I just feel like if you're running with any sort of epic gimmick, maybe have that as a soundbite, DJZ style. So like <laughs> when he hit, they hit the big move, you know, epic. <laughs> um, it would be awful, but it would get heat from... The neckbeards, so I'd be in for it. Um, how about um, if they become in a feud with Epico? <laughs> well, of course, yeah, the natural conclusion. <laughs> because they didn't make an Epico figure? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, when someone as long-standing as Epico doesn't get a figure, who are they going to feud with? Obviously, the Epic Toys podcast. Uh, next up, we've got Let's Talk Wrestling. I am a wrestling fan. WWE, AEW, Impact, New Japan. Breaking news, updates, opinions, match predictions and more. Follow and turn on notifications. That just sounds like one of the nameless backstage interviews WWE have. <laughs> There's not much to go with there, bless them. That's pretty fun. So it could be um, so similar to someone like Byron Saxton. Yeah. But he's called LT. LT. I mean, you've, all, you've already made them more fun than what they give off that bio, mate. <laughs> well L done. LT Wrestling is a great backstage interviewer name. <laughs> yeah, it is actually, yeah. <laughs> Let's throw it to LT. 
next up, we've got Icon Donaway, the OG of 2023. Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Celtics, Patriots, TB12, Coach K, thank you, Taker, John Cena, and Sergeant Slaughter. Follow me. I mean, yeah, thank you, Taker, obviously. Um, <laughs> Icon Donaway, was it? Yep. That's... That sounds like one of those early NXT 2.0 uh, new names that WWE were throwing out. I yeah, like I, I, I was going to take it the Butlins route. That sounds like a guy who's headlining at Butlins, Icon Donaway. <laughs> Butlins was the scene back in the day, to be fair. I went to a couple of Butlins shows. They were great. Ever see Icon? <laughs> uh, can't say it. My, my main memories were just the hordes and hordes of WWE figures they were selling as well. Oh, oh those epic toys, boys. Epic eh? toys, it's all come back. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we've got Matthew Halliday, slave to my geeky t-shirts, lover of all things awesome. I mean, there's not much to go on there either. He wrestles in a t-shirt, maybe? <laughs> just not loves a new Japan tag but... match. Maybe that's like his, his weapon that he uses to win. You know, like Finley had the shillelagh. Maybe he uses like a t-shirt when the ref's not looking. <laughs> yeah. Can you get a weighted t-shirt? I don't know. Or is he just putting it over their face so they can't see? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> or it's like the, the Bret Hart Goldberg thing with like there's something inside the t-shirt which hurts the opponent. Surely you'd just use whatever the weighted thing is, but I still like it. It's wrestling, <laughs> right? I think that um, he could be Shotzi's new tag team partner because she has a new tag team partner every week. And <laughs> he, sits, he does. And he sits in the tank and he's got a t-shirt gun. Perfect. Oh, yes. Okay, I'm liking that. Uh, next up, we've got LT. He says, S-A-T-X. I'm not sure what that is. Drummer, pro wrestling enthusiast. This is a LT again. WrestleMania Mega 1995. Yeah. Yeah. All it's right. got to be something about him being a drummer. Wasn't um wasn't there a WrestleMania drummer death match or something last year? Oh, the um, Nigerian <laughs> drum match was it? <laughs> yeah. It was <laughs> what a match. That feels like a different planet, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, yeah. Uh, that doesn't even feel like the same company now. Yeah, they can play the Nigerian drums. Stick them with well, Apollo doesn't even <laughs> even remotely like get near that gimmick now, does he? But <laughs> no. who needs a drummer? <laughs> Wrestler needs a drummer. Yeah. I don't know, like Elias might need a drummer, right? Yeah, yeah. Thinking of Elias and Boogs. Yes, perfect. Three-man band. Yes. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> That's fantastic. And Boogs, by the way, I mean, he's just the best, isn't he? He's fantastic. Yeah. Next up, we've got Tenille Honor, champion coach potato, master pintsman, <laughs> gamer, zombie apocalypse ready, member of the House of Stark, bacon hoarder. <laughs> um, I'm thinking that Tennille Honor is the. I'm going to guess that's a female, right? It's a woman, and I'm they're going to be certain it is, but they may be known as a they. I'm not sure. Well, whatever it is, I only ask because they're going to be that equivalent of uh, Johnny Mundo. They're going to be in Ring of Honor. Tennille Honor yes. is going to be I the booking. Exact same thought. <laughs> but judging by their bio, like what they just like love pints, and so they're just joining all the cool stables all the time, but just joining so. After this, we get Tenille Impact, then we get Tenille GCW. We get the yeah. lot. Yeah, like it. Just trying to think of um, she could be like a um, in a feud with Bliss because Bliss loved her pet pig, and this person loves bacon. So. Oh God, yeah. Would that make <laughs> wow. her the heel? She's the face, but she's the heel. I guess it depends on the crowd. Yeah. 
if you're in, you know, Shoreditch, then you're the hill. And if you're in... <laughs> Let's go bacon. <laughs> if you're Is there in, anyone like... running a super fitness gimmick as well? Because they're a couch potato champion, right? Oh, yeah. Sim- like like up, against, up against old school Sonny in that old... Yes. Um, in the body donors. <laughs> yes. And we get some fun vignettes, the equivalent of the Viking Raiders Street Profits feud, but in all of them... Neil oh, is cutting corners <laughs> because they're a couch potato, whereas, yeah, love he's it. flying. Next up, we've got Wrestling Hero. I love superheroes and I love pro wrestling. Like what you like, just don't be a dick. Oof. Wrestling Hero. Yeah. There's not a lot, you know. We all like to think of ourselves as a wrestling hero. They seem pretty down the middle here, a bit of a peacemaker type character. You know, with the right message here about not being a dick. <laughs> but unfortunately, it's not really giving me anything in terms of a character. No. I think um, Superhero is a very hit and miss in wrestling, as we've seen, Danny is. How about um, he's just another superhero in training with Hurricane Helms? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go for it. We've got nothing else at this point. I think that's as fair as we think <laughs> Next up, we've got Michael Tracy, who... Just says, add my PSN, Miniman 1085 from Northwest London. Oof, nothing. <laughs> Surely it's just like um, he only wrestles Xavier Woods for the Up Up Down Championship. Yeah, that's the aim. Next up, we've got M. Grossi, or Grossi? G R O S S I. Grossi? Grossi? Let's go with Grossi. <laughs> <laughs> Liberal guy, gay, sober. Single, black cat dad, vaccinated, Italian-Canadian, pop culture fiend. Oh, and wrestling from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Hang on. This has got tag team with Santino all over it. Absolutely. (laughs) Italian-Canadian. Yeah. And I'm thinking the black cat and the cobra are going to get along. Oh, yeah, that's a great shout. Yeah. So the black cat's knocking about. The cobra's getting a bit fruity with the black cat. Not in a weird way. (laughs) <laughs> and they're just having fun with their pets, their puppets, and their tag team in, I don't know, Impact. Yeah, Impact's the place. <laughs> For M. Grossi. <laughs> I-, I was thinking, given your struggles with the surname, Ross, maybe we stick them in Maximum Male Models. <laughs> oh, I like you it. You know, because yeah. they've got Marseille and Mansoir and all that lot. like it, yeah. You could change his first name from E double M just to M. Mm, Grossi. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's like the start of the music. You know, like child music. Yeah. So, mmm, <laughs> Next up, we've got Wendy Wolfhart, aspiring artist and writer, 24, RO Ace, autism, ADHD, she, they, BLM, protect trans lives. Wendy Wolfhart, did you say? Yeah, it's a great name, isn't it? That I is mean, a great there's, name. There's so many goth stables right now. Wendy Wolfart is sticking in with any of the Impact women stables or <laughs> yeah. on NXT with Kaylee Ray and Isla Dawn. To be fair, there's a vacancy in the uh, in the Death Dolls now with Tyre going to AWs. Yeah. So Wendy Wolfart's coming from the other world with um who's the fella? The evil bloke. James yeah, him. He's bringing her in as the third <laughs> one. Wendy Wolfart is tearing up the Impact Zone. You know what? I can see that happening. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that was the call-up sheet. I think I read that in the dirt. <laughs> and lastly, we've got Richard Langan, huge movie lover, especially horrors, tattooed, huge Chelsea fan, 
football, wrestling, UFC, boxing, and music are passions of mine from Wandsworth in London. Yeah, I mean, nothing. <laughs> They're a Chelsea fan. I'm not making the effort. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure they're lovely, but they do support Chelsea, unfortunately, for them. Can we have him go with the Chelsea pensioners gimmick, maybe? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, everyone, for your profiles being sent in to Twitter for your call-up sheet, and we hope that you liked your new gimmicks. Okay, so this is the part where we would usually do a bit of what the nerds are watching, and we, we are going to sort of stick to the format, but change it up a little bit. I know Ross has come up with uh, an idea, or it might have been yourself, Josh, you were chatting about it before I came on the call, that we're going to do a sort of what the nerds remember, I guess, in terms of WrestleMania. Obviously, the pod this week is focused in on the WrestleMania show, and we'll be previewing that up next. But I think you guys wanted to have a bit of a chat about just things from WrestleMania that maybe you've watched recently or things that are really stuck in your mind, like memories. So, Ross, kick us off with some of the things that the WrestleMania weekend, the next WrestleMania shows and all these feelings, what does it give you? What are you imagining? Um, I think it just kind of gives me that like warm, fuzzy, nostalgia, heritage feeling. Like I know like um, some people are saying how the Hall of Fame really isn't anything that means anything. But WrestleMania, to me, does feel like it means something. Like there's a pretty much every WrestleMania, there's at least that one moment that you point to. And you're like, that's what that WrestleMania was. And that was the crowning moment of that year in wrestling. To me, personally, anyway, it just feels like they call it the granddaddy of them all. Right. And they're not wrong. It's just the biggest show with the biggest razzmatazz and the biggest celebrities and the biggest crowds in wrestling. And I just absolutely love it. And I've loved it since the very first one that I saw, which I believe was WrestleMania 6. Hulk Hogan versus Old Warrior. Two superheroes going at it. Crowd were pretty 50-50 because there were two much-loved wrestlers. The match was better than it had any right to be. It was actually a very good match. And yeah, sucked me in from the very start. Love that match. Love that WrestleMania. I don't think there's a WrestleMania that I've not enjoyed. And largely that's because it's either got childhood lovely memories or it reminds me of going to shows to watch at a bar with mates and going crazy to the things that happen, whether that be from my personal experience, me and my mates going wild and beers flying like England had just scored a goal when Seth Rollins got that curb stomp into a RKO. I was in a bar in Hackney for that one and it just went off. It was amazing. Uh, I remember being in walkabout with lads watching the WrestleMania where uh, the rock came back and did his like flame throwing thing. And it was like four o'clock in the morning and we did all been stood up for seven hours and we just wanted to go home. But I still have <laughs> great memories of just being there slogging it out <laughs> with my mates trying to get through this show. I think that was the show that Mike actually stood on Alex Shane's toe and almost got in a fight with Alex Shane, which was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, I remember being at Belushi's in Camden for WrestleMania 30 with the Yeslemania, and that was just an incredible WrestleMania with a whole bar that's full of drunken wrestling fans that are excitable, going very, very silent in shock to when The Undertaker lost. Like, that was a moment that I'll probably, ne probably never forget. Yeah, I just love WrestleMania. I love the pomp of it. I love hanging out with my mates. I'm going to host the Wrestling Should Be Fun night one. If people want to come to that that are listening, come to my house and watch it. Night two, I believe, is being held by Dom. 
It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. I just love WrestleMania and I love everything about it from the ridiculous entrances to the crazy moments and the sometimes the heartbreaking moments, you know, the Ric Flair retirement, which only lasted six months in the end. But for those six <laughs> months, it was the best final match in wrestling history, right? Um, yeah. yeah, I know that was just kind of a stream of consciousness that came out of my mouth. But yeah, that was me saying I love WrestleMania. <laughs> Ross, if you can't go long during WrestleMania season, when can you go long? <laughs> uh, and it was all good stuff anyway, no problem. Um, Josh, yourself, like, um, do you have any sort of, uh, I don't know, traditions? Like, are you, are, do you watch them live? And how long have you been watching Manias? When did you come in? I mean, Ross has been um, early there with six. Yeah, so i am obviously had a period where a very, very young watching wrestling, but don't have any specific memories. I very much got back into wrestling maybe 2007, I distinctly remember watching those three WrestleManias in those three years in a row, which was 23, which was a Trump-McMahon match where they shaved Vince's head. That was that WrestleMania. I can't believe of all the matches. That show had Undertaker, Batista, it had John Cena, Shawn Michaels, and I picked the fucking hair match to talk about. Well, I mean, how many other matches on the card had a future president in it? I mean, (laughs) that's true. The one the year after was the one Ross mentioned with... uh, We'll pretend it's Ric Flair's final match because, yeah, let's just pretend it was. <laughs> but also that WrestleMania had the Undertaker and Edge main event, which for me, looking back now, is like two of my favourite wrestlers of all time in the main event at WrestleMania. I mean, I, I can't really ask for much more. And then the one year after that was that amazing Sean Undertaker match, the first one, which some people would say is the best match in WrestleMania history and I won't really argue too much. Then I kind of had a, like a drop-off of wrestling for a bit and got back into wrestling at uni. And my first one back was uh, the WrestleMania 30 that Ross mentioned, the Daniel Bryan one. Only cut short briefly, uh, we had a power cut in our uni like halls of residence because we lived on campus at the time. And um, power was out for so long that we missed the ending of the streak. And I had to find out about it by Twitter. Oh, so nice. one of the biggest moments in wrestling history, maybe the biggest, uh, and I had to read about it on Twitter. So well, that's my memories of that WrestleMania. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that big a moment or anything, obviously, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I watched that WrestleMania in a bar, which I don't even know where it was. It was somewhere in south of the river. And um, I just remember the room going quiet and one guy running round the room doing the Daniel Bryan hands. But instead of saying yes, going, holy shit, holy shit, <laughs> running round the bar doing that while everyone else just kind of thought there'd been a mistake. <laughs> um, yeah, that is a real standout moment to bring up. Yeah. And then segue on. It'd be up there for me, that. Yeah, the next couple after that I watched on my own. I remember WrestleMania 33, which was the uh, the one where Undertaker and Roman main evented. A lot of people didn't like that WrestleMania, but I kind of like, I think it's a show where it had pretty much everything. During that show, I laughed, I cried, I was furious, I was really happy. And I just think like that's what wrestling should do. It should make you feel loads of different things. Obviously, that was the one with the Hardys returning, which given I was watching it on my own and all my family were asleep. <clears throat> Inappropriate. I had to contain my excitement somehow. Phrasing, boom! Which was a tat. <laughs> Phrasing. Because that was a heck of a WrestleMania moment. I know it's a cliche, but it, it really fucking was. So, hey, it's a happy ending. <sighs> yeah, yeah, it's just a big old goddamn fairy tale. Fairy tale? Uh, phrasing? I think for that WrestleMania you're talking about, was that the Roman Undertaker one? Yeah, that's the one, I, yeah. I think, um, Ross, you were in Clapham Grand for that, right? Correct, yeah. I was also there, but we weren't friends at the time, but since found out we were both there. <laughs> I remember that one being very yeah. dark for, actually. And 
you say about the emotions you feel, I think we can all relate to the feeling of tiredness during WrestleMania, especially during <laughs> yeah. the old seven-hour cards. I'm, I'm really yeah. thankful they've split it over two nights. I know the some ne- people like well, the, the tradition next, lineup. The next couple after that, I watched in a bar with a load of friends, which was great, because I would very much remember during the, the Brock-Roman one, where Brock beat him, being absolutely knackered, and obviously thinking Roman was going to win. And then Brock won, and I was wide awake, and then it was done. I had to try and go to sleep. And then, like, the year after that, which was the total opposite, it was such a long WrestleMania, but we had that amazing moment with Kofi, which I got to experience with friends, which was, yeah, it's up there for me as one of my favourite wrestling memories, to be honest, seeing that with friends. It's it's that thing with WrestleMania. I know we talk about WrestleMania moments and stuff, but when it's combined with the story of Kofi Mania, it's magic for me, and I don't think there's a bigger payoff to that than it happening at WrestleMania. Yeah, the, the best Mania moments, I think, generally speaking, have come after excellent builds. It is what people say, you know, the, the season finale. And I think most people's favourite moments probably feed into, apart from maybe spots, you know, yeah. in terms of the payoffs to stories, I think, you know, the night after Raw with Raw is obviously so exciting because it's the start of a, a new chapter. But WrestleMania is often, you know, that great exclamation point at the end of some really good feuds. And even when W, you know, wasn't firing on all cylinders, I think you can even look at even a poor card and find at least one match which got everyone invested, you know. Even when I think of the last 10 years and not maybe loving every single Mania card, I've always come away going, but that match was great. Yeah. And I'm I'm, I'm more on that side of things with, with WrestleMania. I, I do still look forward to it. I, I very rarely don't. even. And this year, I think the card is obviously excellent, which we'll get into in a bit. Should we do just like, to finish this off, I suppose like one big match or one big spot. I know like favourite matches are done all the time, but maybe if we go for stuff that's more what we remember individually, a cool moment or a cool spot. Ross, is there, is there anything from Mania that you instantly think of that maybe isn't the, the cliched moments? Maybe um, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair headlining. That was a pretty yeah. cool moment. Yeah. Two women of colour that headlined through talent, not through a wokeness in the culture or anything like that. It was just <laughs> two brilliant wrestlers doing their thing. And they had their little moment at the start, which was the goosebump kind of where they kind of acknowledged the seismic moment. And then once that was over with, they just got on with their job and they put on a fantastic match. And... I don't think anyone came out of that show saying that they didn't warrant having that headline-worthy match. So, yeah, that's probably a pretty cool moment, like a nice feel-good moment. And then just all the celebrity stuff I love. I know, like, <laughs> um, Josh mentioned the shaving of Vincent Mann, but but there's so many fun little WrestleMania moments, whether it be Floyd Mayweather and Big Show having a really fun little match. We had Mickey Rourke punching Chris Jericho. We've had all sorts of absolute madness, haven't we, in terms of celebrities. And by and large, they've been a success, haven't they? So, like, obviously, the celebrities are getting more and more involved now with Logan Paul and Bad Bunny proving that celebrities can go as well in the ring. But yeah, yeah, I just absolutely love that sort of stuff. But but yeah, for me, like a nice, lovely WrestleMania moment is probably Bianca and Sasha. Before that, it probably would have been Eddie and Chris. But unfortunately, I can't look at that in any kind of positive way now, which is fucking awful. Yeah, I mean, understandable. I think people would agree with you on that whole assessment, really. Josh, anything for you? I think for me, I was just going to touch on it before. Something I'll remember, which came to me at a time when I think we all probably needed it, was um, after Drew beat Brock in the COVID mania, when he, he put his hand towards the um, the screen. I think that's one of the most powerful things I saw during the entire pandemic. And the fact with with us guys, obviously, because it was a British guy who did it, I just think that showed the the power that this wacky world that we all love can have. Like I said, for me personally, and for I'm sure pretty much everyone who listened to this, I think that WrestleMania gave us all something to talk about at a time when we really all needed it. 
So yeah, I'll, I'll probably go with that one. I think if you're picking that WrestleMania, was that the one that also had uh, your boy Bray in an art installation against John Cena? Really, whatever. That yeah, was. it was. It was one thing which, if anything, has happened in the up and down career and the much maligned career of uh, of Bray Wyatt in WWE. I have that to take with me. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I had that. No, it's it was, a great point. Yeah, but no, uh, I just thought that Drew doing that in the main event of WrestleMania, the the weirdest WrestleMania. And I think one which I'll probably not be able to watch back ever again, just because I don't really want to watch and be reminded of that time again. But I think them still doing that moment. And I've still got the, the video on my phone of our reaction with me and a few friends who watched it over Zoom together. Yeah, like I said, I think it just showed that what wrestling can do and, and Drew putting his hand to the camera like that, I think, yeah, was a pretty powerful moment for me. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair, to be honest. And I have quite good memories of that as well, that mania. I thought the opening match with Charlotte Rhea actually was a banger as well. Mm. We're going to see that again this year, of course. For me, a memory <laughs> that I have about mania and, and the good of mania is one that I want to give love to. And I've done it on the podcast before. A moment that is often maligned and thought of badly. But you know what? Roman Reigns Undertaker from that mania we talked about yeah. is absolute poetry. And I will not have people say it's some lazy sloppy match because that is the story it's a yeah. beaten up old man yeah. struggling to lift the top athlete in the company and the fact that he can't do it maybe it is a legit botch i think it is but in the story it is the old yellow thing it's the flair michael thing all over again yeah. he can't yeah. hang he wants to hang he's the undertaker it's wrestlemania but he can't and roman is just better and younger and fitter and obviously the undertaker had many retirement moments some good and bad and I think a lot of people thought that might have been it at the time. And it would have been a brilliant way to go out, in my opinion. I, listen, that match has been, like I say, spoken about quite negatively since. I don't think overall it's probably not got a high Meltzer rating. But I think it's as close to art as the W have done. And I will defend and die on that hill. It's probably my most controversial take how highly I rate that match. But I think it's um, it's absolutely glorious. And over time, maybe when people go back and watch it in a few more years removed from you know Roman's dominance now that he's more established... And uh, The Undertaker's legacy is looked back on. I think people will have a good opinion of it if they watch it knowing the story going in. So that's what I want to give a shout out to in terms of WrestleMania moments. Yeah, Matt, The Undertaker's my favourite wrestler of all time. And and I echo everything you said. I think most of it in the match was, and if you watch The Undertaker documentary, he alludes to this, that he was always chasing that one last send-off where he had a good match and then retired. Um, and I think if that match was good and he could have gone better, I think that probably would have been it. But like you said, I think for the story they were telling, it was exactly the old yellow thing. It really was. I think it, it actually worked better. And like you said, with everything they did afterwards as well, and uh, as send-offs go, I mean, it wasn't the send-off in the end, but that's why, partly because of that match, is why I have such a, a fondness for that WrestleMania, which not a lot of people do. So yeah, I thought it was pure art. So I, I'm totally with you on that, Matt. And it gave us one of Roman's great promos. It did, um, yeah. Up uh, until this gimmick, yeah. the, the best promo of his career. Yeah, and I think he said five words. Yeah, <laughs> but the uh, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't a mania moment. That was a night after Raw, and maybe we can get onto that. Um, is there anything else people wanted to add, or should we get onto a roundtable? Oh, mate, if we open up the floor again, I'm I'm gonna talk for hours. So let's go into the roundtable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not as good as Dom or even the attempt that James gave last week, JCH. So I'm literally just gonna send us into the roundtable by just saying it. Roundtable.
Okay, so um, this week, obviously, we've talked about it already. It's WrestleMania week. We're all excited. I think you can probably tell in our voices and the stories we're saying that we're hyped for this card. Um, we're going to go through it. We're going to go through as many of the matches as we can fit into before we start getting uh, pressed for time, I think. But firstly, I wanted to ask on a question of um, absentees from the card this year. If, if there was anyone on it that you guys um, wish had a match, I think we're going to know Josh's answer and we'll get on to that in a second. <laughs> um, but um, is there anyone on the card, Ross, that you um, wish had a match or a moment? Because obviously with the Andre not being there, a lot of people are going to miss out. Yes. So this is a pretty selfish one. One, because I love him. And two, because... I picked him to win Money in the Bank, <laughs> and he's not even on the WrestleMania card, which is not a good sign. And that's Butch. Ah, just yeah, like I don't think he's been in a WrestleMania yet, so it's a bit sad that he's not on the card. But yeah, he's my man for 2023. It's happening, just not. I yet. think it is going to happen, mate. <laughs> I, I don't know I if he's going to he... win Money in the Bank, but <laughs> I think it might be under a different name as well. Hopefully, yeah, I think that seems to be the rumor and innuendo, right? That mm-hmm. Pete Dunne will resurface yeah um josh i'm i'm gonna presume and you don't have to take the answer that you're gutted about the nixing of the bray wyatt match for whatever the reason is yeah i am i actually in my sixth head would have preferred him to face brock lesnar actually just because i think it's it'd be something the story they were kind of telling with um with lashley and bray was that like lashley was the straight guy and he was the the fighter and he wasn't going to buy into all this creepy weird shit how brock lesnar would have bought into that i don't know but um, I think other than Bray, I think I'd probably go for LA Knight. Although I'm hopeful that he's going to do something at WrestleMania if he comes out and talks and some legend comes out and beats him up or something. Because I think LA Knight's run on the main roster has been severely underrated so far. I think I think he's getting there in terms of the love he's getting uh, with his promos and stuff. But he's a heck of a wrestler as well. And if Ross's pick for 2023 is Bush, then I'm going for LA Knight as mine. So, yeah, I think I'd go with that. Josh, you have taken my name, but I completely agree with everything you said. <laughs> I think I think a legend is going to beat him up, whether it's someone like an Austin or whether it's someone else they throw out. LA yeah. Knight is absolute money. The guy yeah. is so much charisma. It's crazy. I've always liked LA Knight, but he stepped it up, I think, to a new level now. He seems so comfortable doing what he's doing, and he's getting over by just being so selfless in skits and everything. I still laugh when I think of him telling... Telling Bray that the second slap was a two-for-one special. Like, just <laughs> things like that just pop me every time. Amazing. Um, him telling Ray that he'd, he'd slap his doofus son for him if he didn't have the balls to do it and things like that. I just <laughs> I just think LA Knight's just killing it. And again, if you believe your dirt sheets, apparently he's in line for a push. I don't know what he's going to do at Mania. I can't imagine he's not on the card doing something. So, yeah, he would have been my answer as well. But I do generally think that there's so many talented people that, you know, I would have loved to have seen on the card. Like, are the New Day on the card? Are they in the tag match or are they just not? I think Kofi's hurt at the minute as well. Oh, yeah, really? So, going back to LA Knight, though, Matt, as you love Mist in wrestling, how about he um, has a little skit with the Great Muter? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's what I want. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, LA Knight calling Great Mooter a dummy and getting misted is what I want. <laughs> yeah, please. I think that maybe is where he comes out. Maybe all the legends get a little bit in on him. Even Stacy, right? Yes. So yeah, LA Knight, absolute hero. I want him on the card. But speaking of the card, let's talk about the people that are on it. I'm going to just go in and a random order I've assembled myself, and I'll just open the floor up. And you, any thoughts that come to you with these matches? I'm going to be honest. I'm going to throw both the 
tag team opportunity matches in first, just because I don't personally have a lot to say about them. I'm sure there'll be a nice little break in the card and loads of fun spots with all the teams, but it feels on a card of real importance quite throwaway. And I don't mean that as a, as a negative, because I do think you have to have a couple of matches like this on the card. Ross, any hot takes on the two 14 tag matches? The women's one is random as hell. <laughs> Natalia and Shotzi have been a tag team for a hot minute. Liv and Raquel slightly more. Ronda and Shayna, uh, that's a badass team. I'm loving that team. I'm quite interested to see what they do with the one team to be announced. I don't know if they're going to leave it to the actual WrestleMania night and not announce it, or if it's going to be announced on Raw or SmackDown, I'm not entirely sure. I know, obviously, Chelsea Green is very much trying to get involved, so it's probably going to be her and Carmella, maybe. What about um, yeah. a, a Nikki and um, Candice? Are they a team yet? Um, Haven't they been teasing that, or am I... Oh, they know they were teasing something and then nothing really happened, I don't think. Oh, oh yeah, they enough. were, weren't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Potentially. I can't think of a tag team, like an independent type, you know, like a Hardy Boys no, type. Oh, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Oh, I'd lose my mind. Oh, my God, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not that... going to be, sadly, but, you know. Pretty sure that she's pregnant, isn't she? I'm pretty um, sure they said they were retiring as well, but... Uh, but, yeah, that. like the women's one is, is for away, but... Is this for like number one contendership or is it just, I don't know. They've not said officially, but it, I guess it would make sense, wouldn't it? It'd have to put you in the hunt, wouldn't it? Even if it's not yeah. officially. Yeah, yeah. It is kind of throwaway, but at least it's putting a, a showcase on the tag belts, especially in, in the women's, because obviously that's been kind of hardly given much since Damage Control lost the belt. Yeah, there's not a lot much more to say on that one. On the men's one, these things have a way of maybe um, sometimes having like a moment. And I think this could be used as the way to potentially move Otis and Gable away from each other, potentially, in this match. Because they've kind of like teased yeah. him joining the Maximum Male models, right? Yeah, I think that is coming. I think um, I have the impression, much like with Pete Dunne, that Chad Gable might become a bigger player as a singles wrestler. His match with Ricochet was excellent the other week for a throwaway 10-minute raw match and obviously if you put Chad Gable and Ricochet it's going to be excellent so I wouldn't be surprised if Gable has maybe a more serious run or even if it is a more serious in-ring run with a, the same sort of character and yeah Otis transfers over to the male models um I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if this was the yeah the nail in the coffin of that tag team maybe here I was thinking that potentially with Chase U potentially being taken over by Schism <laughs> I was thinking that potentially Andre Trace etc might be one of the Few that get the call up and Otis moves away and Gable needs like because it's the Alpha College thing, yeah. right? And yeah. like he needs like a team again, right? So it could be like a way to move them in. Can the university and the academy coexist? <laughs> if that means I get to see Thea Hale on the main roster, then count me in. <laughs> I honestly think that that would be a really good uh, way to go, but obviously that's just me fancy booking. <laughs> Josh, anything on these tag matches or? Uh, I think. It's kind of not been teased or anything, but I'm thinking maybe not in the Triple H booking era, but maybe in the Vince McMahon era, this would be like, this would be the time he'd split the street profits. But I know they've not really teased anything, but I'm just trying to think of a, a point for this showcase match, to be honest, creatively. But also, I might be completely off, you know, off track there, but that's an outside tip for me. Yeah, I, I think they've done a slow, a very slow one with the uh, street profits, right? With Theory getting in their head the other week on Raw and... And um, there's around chamber time as well. They were when Montez got there was a little little hints of dissension between them. But but you're right. It's, I don't think it's close enough to be happening at Mania yet. 
So those those two matches will be fun. And like I say, I believe that they'll be entertaining and at least I won't have to be fully immersed in these matches. I need a couple of breaks on the card and these are going to be perfect yeah. for that, I think. Speaking of tag matches, there's another one with probably a bit more high-caliber names. We've got the <laughs> six-woman six woman tag match where Damage Control as a unit taking on the tag team champions Becky Lynch and Lita, as well as returning legend Trish Stratus. Obviously, two legends, including Lita there and future Hall of Famer in Becky. And in Bailey, to be fair. Let's see how Eo and Dakota Gale. They're highly talented <laughs> too. But yeah, six women that will, I no doubt here, have a really good match. I've got no problems with that. Was this the right way to go with the six-woman tag? Would you have rather seen the tag titles defended? Would you have rather seen a singles match between any of these people? Or or is it just a case of a real fun match for the card with everyone involved? Uh, Josh? Uh, yeah, I think I'd have probably, like you say, because the women's tag belts haven't really been given the biggest spotlight, I think having them be... Because uh, I know in previous years we've had like multi-team matches for the women's belt and I kind of feel that kind of undervalues the tag titles. And I know they've done that a few WrestleManias in recent years, but I'm very much of the sense that at WrestleMania... The singles titles should be singles matches and the tag titles should be just two teams in tag matches. But yeah, I think like this Bailey and Becky thing, I, can't, I think it was kind of, they had the big blow off of the cage match and then this is just to kind of extend that. And to do with Lita and Becky as a team or has Trish just come back for this or is she going to have a run? I'm intrigued to see it. I'm just not sure where they're going to go. But I think since Triple H and his team have taken over, I, they've got a decent record of these sort of things. So I'm willing to let it play out. Yeah, I, I love that they're... Um you know, using the female legends in the way they use the male legends, right? Bringing them in and letting them get competitive, putting a strap on Lita for however long it is. Uh, they do it with the men all the time, right? How many times we've seen Big Bill come back and win a belt or something? So <laughs> bringing Lita back in and giving her the tag title, I think was a great idea. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. Ross, uh, any hot takes about it? Yeah, just really looking forward to damage control in particular. I've got a soft spot for all three of those women in that faction. Obviously, it's first WrestleManias for Dakota Kai and Io Sky. Bailey's not really had a WrestleMania moment, I would argue, yet. And this is going to be her moment, I would argue. Lisa looked pretty rusty when she first came back, but last week on Raw, I thought the small little things that she did, she looked a lot more crisp. Uh, so hopefully that's a bit of ring rust going. And Trish Stratus proved last time that she was up against Charlotte that she can still go. So I think this is going to be a bit of a sleeper hit. I actually think this is going to be really good. Becky Lynch is one of the best wrestlers in the world in terms of the women's wrestling. And... Yeah, I think it's going to be a great match and I think that the crowd are going to be massively into it because they seem to be really behind Lita and Trish as well, which isn't always the case when the legends come back, but they seem to be super, super over. So really looking forward to it. Yeah, potential sleeper hit there. Speaking of potential sleeper hits. Josh, how are we feeling about Brock Lesnar v Omos? <laughs> Mate, I, I fucking love it. It's stupid. It's weird. It's like something that I should be playing on the uh, WWE game. It's going to be short. It's going to be not fun to watch. Don't think Dave Meltzer is going to like it particularly much with his star ratings, but I'm going to enjoy every second of it because just the thought in my mind of Brock Lesnar trying to F5 Omos just fills me with absolute eternal joy. <laughs> yeah, you've absolutely covered everything I'd say. I I've been seeing it get a lot of dislike from the purists, but again, like with those big tag matches... I think you need this little breather on there where the entrances are probably longer than the match and Brock does a really fun spot. Ross, are you in on it? Yeah, mate. Like, did you see the size difference? Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, it wasn't quite a head-to-head -head meeting, was it? <laughs> like, yeah. The Beast Incarnate with an even bigger beast. Yeah, it's just going to be ridiculous, right? Yeah. Whether 
Omos is going to be able to sell isn't really a problem here because you don't really sell with Brock Lesnar. You just take it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, and actually lots of people obviously were down on it when it was announced, but people seem to be forgetting that Braun had a fantastically fun big hoss match with Omos in Saudi, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And I would argue that Brock is a better worker than Braun, so I don't have any worries about this match in terms of how it's going to go. If they keep it fairly short, I think it's going to be really, really fun. And there's the potential here for Lashley to be involved because obviously he's lost his match with Bray, unfortunately, for whatever reasons that is. But the storyline with him and Brock isn't finished, let's be honest. And I think this is an opportunity to have the Hurt Business back in business again. And I think Brock's willing to put on Moss over, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think, again, I can't really argue with any of that. And the Hurt Business coming back would be good for all involved i think i think everyone wins from that let's move on to the next one i've got written down here which is the match you alluded to earlier uh, ross with the celebrity involvement if you will although he's doing a pretty good job of being a pro wrestler um seth rollins taking on logan paul and ross um how do we feel about logan paul at this point Are we, are we on board now, or is there still a scepticism? There's not a scepticism about his wrestling, because honestly, I think this is going to possibly be the best match out of every match on the card. Yeah. And that's mental. <laughs> <laughs> Seth Rollins is brilliant, and he's going to want to put on a WrestleMania-type performance. Logan Paul, the same. It's going to be flippy. It's going to be fast. It's going to be great. Logan Paul, I've mentioned this a few times in the podcast, I think, I think he's a complete dickhead. Thank you, I'll be here all week! But, fair is fair, he is brilliant at pro professional wrestling. And <laughs> the fact that they've done the correct thing and turned him heel is brilliant because use that genuine unlikability to make him a heel in pro wrestling is perfect. The fact that he's flip-flopped about the same amount of times as Big Show is a slight problem. He's only had five matches or something and he's been a different babyface or a heel in each of them. But... He's Logan Paul. He's going to have eyes from many different markets, which is great for WWE. This match is probably going to be the one that gets on Forbes and on NBC and things like that. So, yeah, win-win for everyone. Yeah, I, I can't help but agree on, on the way he's um, conducted himself just as a, a talent. Um, I think his promo work has been really good overall. I think he's been smashing out of the park. He looks very confident. I think any nerves that he had early doors where he was maybe overall have completely gone. He's owning that character right now, like you say. Having him as the hill is, is a much better route or route, as the Americans would say. And um, I, I do struggle with him because I think he's a pretty nasty bloke from some of the things he's allegedly doing uh, with this horrible crypto business and everything. But if we did that with all wrestlers, we wouldn't be having much of a show if we just <laughs> on everything they do. So um, I'm going to look past it. And I agree, it could be a, a show stealer. Josh, equally as excited for this one? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm a fan of that kind of YouTube scene. So I've known of Logan for a little while. And initially at the start, I wasn't quite sure how I felt about this person from here coming into my other thing of wrestling. But I mean, you can't argue with the matches and performances he's had at all. Uh, and I think for the reasons Ross has said, I think this is about as an appropriate to ma as match to be on a WrestleMania show as, as anything, really. I think you've got an incredible full-time pro wrestler in Seth. And then you've got this celebrity who's pretty good at the wrestling itself in Logan so yeah I think this I think this will be great I think it'll be one of those that people won't want to admit they're excited for but really like Ross said I think it's got the potential to be the best match on the Wrestlemania card well 
the next match we're going to talk about has this one got potential lads to be the best on the card um let's go for one of the gimmick matches if maybe the only gimmick match looking at it now um, the hell in the cell match between edge and finn Oof. bella now ross you're um you're mr positivity and i'm by no means i'm, I'm hating on this this is wrestling should be fun but i'm not feeling this fully am i in the wrong hype me up for it okay so this is the blow off from someone leaving a faction and joining a faction about eight months ago or whatever it was so there's your first tick long-term storytelling second tick it's a hell in a cell match third tick it's edge mate it's gonna be fucking great <laughs> i mean they're three simple points that i can't really argue with any of them. um josh are we voting demon or no demon here uh i'd like the demon i mean I think they did a decent job with Edge's promo the other night, and I'm sure they'll do that again on Raw later, um, trying to explain why the Demon is appropriate for Hell in a Cell. I think it just adds to the, the glitz and glam of it, personally. I think the Demon's an easy thing to sell to people. I think you show a casual fan Finn Balor's presentation as the Demon, and they're suddenly interested. And I think WrestleMania's that show where the fans who don't watch all the time watch. But like Ross said, I, I think it's been... I, I've actually really enjoyed this feud. I think since Triple H took over, I think... The job he's done of creatively making the Judgment Day feel like a big deal has been brilliant because off the back of that, we've got Rhea Ripley who's gone over here in this feud and Dominic who's gone over here in this feud and now we've got this with Finn as well. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it and I think Finn Balor and Edge in a Hell in a Cell match is on its own. It's fucking great alongside all the storyline stuff and the build-up to this that we've had previously. Let's not forget how good the Hell in a Cell match was that he had with Seth two years ago. Oh, absolutely. Edge is capable of having a similar star-rated match here with Finn Balor. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to come across either like I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm down on it. Um, I'm just when you, like you say, Edge Finn Balor, Hell in a Cell, been loving the work of Judgment Day, but um, it just hasn't got me hyped. But maybe that's a good thing. Maybe on the night it's going to blow me away. Um, you, you mentioned the Judgment Day there, Josh, and the, obviously yeah. it's going to be a big weekend for them. So let's segue <laughs> into my. One of my favourite feuds, actually, and if it weren't for the Bloodline, this might be my favourite single feud, um, and it's, of course, Ray and Dom. How good was that pop on SmackDown, Josh? I think it was amazing, mate. I think the turnaround in Dominic Mysterio since he's turned heel has been one of the best character turnarounds I think I've ever seen. I think he has continually grown into the role of being this deluded guy who acts like he's done hard time when, in reality, on the very first night they said he went to prison it was for one night i think dominic's developed into this great heel and i think the storyline they've done with ray with him going in the hall of fame and, and with the family the other night and he finally 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 cracked after weeks of saying he wouldn't i think it was brilliant and i think it was perfect professional wrestling long-term storytelling i just hope this match is as good as i we all want it to be because i think for the legacy of ray mysterio i think you know above all else i think he deserves to have this match with his son which I'm sure they've planned since the, <laughs> I was going to say the, the previous storyline they had together in WWE, but we won't delve into that too much. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to this. I think the crowd are really going to buy into it. They'll boo the hell out of Dom and they'll cheer the heck out of Ray. So yeah, I think this is going to be absolutely great. Yeah, I completely agree on the uh, turnaround of Dom. Ross, you've always been on board with Dom, right? I remember you hyping him up before when he debuted. So are yeah. you equally, I'm guessing, loving this heel turn as well? Yeah, only advocating what Josh has just said. The turnaround has been incredible in terms of character work. I've always enjoyed his in-ring work. I've, I've always felt that he works just slightly differently to other wrestlers, like he's slightly less cookie-cutter. 
I don't know whether it's just because he's like maybe he's been taught more lucha ways, but like just the way he moves in the ring is like it's slightly different to everyone else, which I appreciate. But two things that I want from this match: first, I want Dominic Mysterio to come out in a low rider. That would be amazing. <laughs> yes. And two, I want Aliyah to do a head scissors on Dom. And imagine that part. Yes to both of those. I'll, I'll work for both of those. <laughs> Got no arguments with that at all. Um, I, I know we spoke earlier um, about WrestleMania being the kind of end of season finale, but I have a feeling this one might go maybe at least another match, some sort of stip match. But I could be wrong. This could just be a nice closer to it all. Um, Obviously, a lot of people talking that it could even be a retirement match, right? Um, with the Hall of Fame induction. I hope not, because I still think Ray offers a lot to the company. But we'll see where it goes. Um, I suppose we should get into the title matches now. That's all the stuff not for titles. So let's go for the stuff that is for titles. And the reason I'm going to come to you first on this one, Ross, is I noticed a few, um, or maybe it was just the one, but some tweets that weren't necessarily loving the build-up work for this. So I would like yeah. you to sort of explain the promo that you didn't like. And I don't think I did either, to be fair. The Austin Theory John Cena match, which is going to, I think, open WrestleMania night one. I remember you having some thoughts about it on the Twitter, right? Yeah, that John Cena promo, I absolutely hated. Firstly, it didn't do any favours for making me want to watch the match, which is a negative. <laughs> Secondly, it put Austin Theory in a negative limelight in many, many ways. But the biggest way was, I think he said something on the line along the lines of, you can't win. If you beat me, it doesn't matter because I'm a washed up John Cena and people will forget about you straight after it anyway. And if you lose, you've lost to a washed up John Cena and people will know that you were a loser. And I was just like, like and I was just watching it thinking, how is this good? And <laughs> I'm like, they pulled the curtain back of like, if you're so good, then why do they pipe in crowd noises for you? Stuff yeah. like that, like, which is obviously what they do for everyone, including John Cena. So <laughs> I, like, I was aghast at watching it and people on Twitter were saying, you know, well, it's great because when Austin Fury wins, it proves that he's got heart and it's like tough love from someone who's like trying him, for him to be better. But I was like, why is a supposed babyface doing that pep talk? That, that's not a baby, like, yeah, no, none of it worked for me. I did not like it at all. Austin Theory is much better than what John Cena gave him credit for in that promo. And people that believe that's the case aren't treating John Cena as a babyface in this match because of that promo. And the people that do believe what John Cena is saying are then doubling down and trying to treat Austin Theory like Karrion Cross was treated in NXT and beyond because of the Adam Cole promo that was put to him, which he still hasn't got over. And like, I just don't understand how that promo got through who it had to get through. Yeah, I can't disagree. It's why I wanted to bring it up because I know you're um, you're a positive man, Ross. And uh, if even you're finding problems with it, then um, I think it's a very fair comment. I I'd agree with you. I didn't understand, that, like you said initially, the comment of, well, if you beat me, it means nothing. If we go to the classic Jericho way of thinking where he always says, make your opponent sound as good as possible so that when you beat them, the achievement is big. Exactly. Yeah. And um, he, he did the opposite. So, you know, he made himself look like a chump by <laughs> proxy then made theory look like a chump. And it did kind of put a little bit of deflation for me into a match that I was really looking forward to because I'm with you, Ross, on the love for Austin Theory. I've always liked Austin Theory when he was in Evolve. I remember watching him live at a progress show before he really broke out and he was fantastic. And this could be a massive crowning moment for him, but hopefully he can get over it and, and the match will bang. That's why I've been for. Uh, Josh, any big thoughts about this one? Yeah, I mean, 
echo what I said, to, what Ross said, really. I think I spoke to him privately about it, just in the sense that it gave me flashbacks to a similar sort of promo that Cena cut on The Miz before they had that mixed tag match. And I, my thinking then was, oh my God, he's absolutely hammered him. So obviously The Miz is going to win. And Cena then beat The Miz and, and pretty much squashed him. And I've got a really bad feeling it's going to happen again now. But like you said, even if Theory wins, it's like, well, you know, now what? Because I think Theory's, you know, recovered from being forced down our throats by the last booking days of Vince. Uh, and I think they've re- done a really good job in, in time of resurrecting the Austin Theory character. Uh, and I, for one, when it was initially spoken about, I was really looking forward to the idea of John Cena Austin Theory at a WrestleMania. I thought that'd be great. I, I actually wanted Cena to win at one point and then to drop the title the next night to whoever. But now I kind of I find myself in the bizarre situation where I'm really rooting for Austin Theory just because if, you know, after that Cena promo, if he then loses the match, I don't really know how Austin Theory could recover. And like Ross said about Karrion Cross, I was a massive fan of Karrion Cross and XT. But yeah, that promo absolutely killed him dead. And yeah, he was champion for a little bit afterwards, but the character never really recovered. So yeah, although I, I'm not sure what the crowd will do, I for one would be absolutely rooting for Austin Theory in this match. Well, let's move on from a, a match that maybe we're slightly down on, although I think we all agree the match will be good. So a match yeah. where I think the build's been short, but we all agree the match will absolutely bang if you have a pair of eyes. And that is, of course, the triple threat for the Intercontinental title. We have Gunter defending against Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. Ross, I think you nailed this last week on the pod where you said that this should be like the triple threat from Progress, which had Walter in with Riddle and Thatcher. And that's exactly what I was thinking when you said it. I thought he's nicked my point for the preview. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) But that's absolutely fine. If you wanted to expand on that point or just generally talk about this feud, this match, any of the guys in it. I mean, for me, it should be a real crowning moment for Gunter. But obviously, Sheamus has fair share as well within the Continental title. So what are your overall thoughts on it? Yeah, I think I mentioned last week my booking idea here of um, maybe Drew... Drew gets hit with a finishing move or Gunter gets hit with a finishing move and then Sheamus kind of like chicken shit wins and becomes an out-and-out heel, which he kind of is teasing anyway. And then oh, that's also a crowning moment because he'll be... Is it the, the triple crown that, that he yeah, wants Yeah, I think that makes him a it's, grand slammer, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a, the only one he's a not grand got. Slam. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that kind of makes sense to me personally, but then you're taking the title off Gunter and maybe he's not quite ready for the main title yet because he'll be chasing and probably losing. To, to whoever wins the main event in, in this one. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting match in terms of who wins, but in terms of the actual match itself, as I said, the Ali Pali triple threat is the route that they should absolutely go down. Subpar 10 minutes, just kick the crap out of each other. Lots of great spots, and the crowd hopefully buying into every single shot that they're watching. Yeah, I think this is going to be match of the weekend. There's my bold one. On a, on a stacked card, I think this one's going to absolutely bang. Josh, are you with me? Maybe not match the weekend, but you're with me on it banging? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's an absolute slam dunk from that point of view. And I think it's it's good because we've got a triple threat where there are three viable winners and you could really make a case for any of the three winning. And I don't think that's always the case. Obviously, with the, the WrestleMania main event we had a couple of years ago now with Brian and Edge and Roman, I think we all kind of knew Roman was going to win anyway. So it kind of takes away the magic a bit. But I think with this one, yeah, I could see it going anyway. And regardless of who wins, I think it'll be fucking great to watch. Yeah, it's nice to have uh, more than one person with a legitimate claim on a title. Um, whether they're in the match or not, this feels like an Intercontinental title scene at the moment. And I think it's a belt that all wrestling fans love. So to see a scene around it is fantastic. Speaking of a scene around it, 
in the tag division, the Usos had cleaned it out. But don't worry, WWE just go and put on one of the greatest stories of all time and give us some challenges <laughs> in Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens uh, reforming for what must be the thousandth time. But that's no issue because this story has been fantastic. Obviously, we'll go into the, the main event later with the stuff with Roman and everything. But Ross, it's that time of the week where you get to throw more praise at Jey Uso and talk about <laughs> how brilliant the Bloodline story is. Yeah, it's been fantastic, hasn't it? So, like obviously most weeks I've kind of tried to explain what I love about the storyline with the latest nuance that's been thrown our way and actually what I want to talk about this week is Kevin Owens character here someone who for the last year and a half or whatever has been fighting against Sami Zayn and finally hugged him last week and they're back together but there's still some of the stuff that he says makes you think I'm never going to fully trust you and you should never fully trust me because you know what I've done to you in the past. And the like promo work that Kevin Owens did this week where he was like, oh, so you wanted me to come out first so that I got a pop and then I would introduce you and then you get the bigger pop. Like there's still that kind of antagonistic relationship between these two that makes you like people are obviously having the, the like thought process of this is going to be Usos losing the title or blah, blah. But there's still that slight inkling from the way that they're telling the story that you're not entirely sure that this couldn't even happen again where KO turns on Sammy yet again in this match. And I absolutely love, like, it's not going to happen, but I love the fact that there's even that thought process happening through the storytelling. And they just hit these story beats week by week by week that I think um, it was Jerry last week that said that he didn't want this storyline to end. And I'm the same that I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do when this storyline's ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so good and it's been such a pertinent part of both of these shows for the last two years, whatever, that it almost feels like what now? But that's also an exciting time for wrestling as well. I think like you can't just rest in your laws of let's just brawl out this, this same storyline. But yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about this week was just the nuanced characterisms of Kevin Owens in that promo work that elicits to the fact that there's still trust issues between those two. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about the nuances in this storyline for a whole pod, right? And I think one day removed from it, we'll have to do that because there's so much for every character we can go through. It's ridiculous. Like, there are points where I kind of completely understand Jey Uso's point of view, right? Like, Sammy didn't just suck it up like he did. He made a big statement turn. He didn't walk away. He had to go and hit Roman, you know, like, and I can yeah. completely see why Jay's like, why would you expect me to pick you over family after you embarrass me? Yeah. Like, it's such a, a well-rounded story. Josh, do you want to throw some love at this storyline as well? We do it every week. Yeah, I think it's, it's been absolute just to give this whole storyline in terms of Zayn and, and, you know, Owens winning the match. And I think the crowd will be into it. And I, I agree with what Ross said. I kind of got those sort of, I, I was getting kind of festival of friendship vibe from Kevin Owens during that promo. Not as strong, but like like Ross said, you can, you won't, you're not going to be shocked if in a couple of months' time Owens beats him up again. You're not going to be shocked at all. So, yeah, I think, you know, this is the time to give... Uh, I'll talk about it when we talk about the main event, but I think this is the time for the Usos to lose the belts. I think this is the absolute perfect team to beat them for it. And then whatever happens after this happens. But, yeah, I, I think this is going to be one of those things which uh, people remember this WrestleMania for, to be honest, is this match. Yeah, I can't really argue with that. I think it is just... Splendid stuff. Um, so you say about the Usos probably losing those titles. Here's someone that I don't think will be losing their title. In one of the three big singles titles at the end of the night, maybe. I'm not sure where this one's going to place. This might be in the middle of the card or maybe an opener on night two. I'm not sure if they've announced anything, but Bianca Belair defending the title against Asuka. Mm. 
Um, mm-hmm. I'm expecting Bianca Belair's streak. Is it a streak yet? Oh, I'm going to call it a streak. Yeah. Uh, to continue. Where, where are you at with this one, Josh? Are we are we interested in this one? Yeah, I mean, I'm Oscar's one of my probably one of my favourite women's wrestlers on the whole roster. So anything she does, and like Ross has said on the pod before, we were leading up to whatever she was doing online and the kind of partner play on that character, the big reveal at the Rumble, which was amazing. I've really liked this aggressive Oscar. But like, yeah, like you said, the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I think, I think there's still leg to this Bianca Belair reign. She's a pretty great champion. She's a really good baby face. I would like Oscar to be the one to beat her eventually. I'm not sure if right now feels like the time. Like you say, if they want to build up this streak or whatever with Bianca, I think if she could back to back to back beat Sasha Banks, Becky, and then Oscar at WrestleMania, I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good resume. Yeah, I think there is always that issue with her as that being maybe um, edging towards Super Cena territory in the way she's dispatching these people. But I feel like she's still got some legs in this title reign. Um, I won't be crying if Asuka takes it off her. Um, yeah. But I don't feel like this Asuka character's fully formed yet. I think it's it's kind of bad timing going into this Belair feud. I'd like her to have maybe zumped over a few women and, and smashed a few of the roster up before she got to this point. And I know she won at the Chamber. I don't feel she's had a really meaty feud to get into. Ross, are you excited for this one? Yes. In terms of the match itself, it's going to be fantastic. Storyline-wise, it hasn't been the strongest build. It's been a lot stronger than the SmackDown Women's title build. But I'm interested to see how you say, like, the Kana-type character. We haven't quite seen the violence and the destruction that we kind of would have wanted to have seen by this point, I would argue. And I feel like a loss at WrestleMania to continue the Asuka losing streak at WrestleMania might be the thing that tips her over the edge. So it might even be a bit, like booking storyline-wise, it might even be a bit um, uh, Nakamura AJ Styles where the post-match stuff mm. is what people remember. Maybe it's like a real badass beatdown after a loss or something so that she still gets her heat back. Yeah, I think that's a great show, actually. I can imagine mm. that happening. Um, well, you mentioned it already, so let's go straight into the other women's title match. Um, Charlotte Flair defending what must be about her 57th title reign against Rhea Ripley. <laughs> Um, I kind of agree with you, Ross, on that the build hasn't been fantastic, but I did bloody love that pull-apart brawl. I thought that was really intense, and I thought they did a really good job with that specific segment of the story. I just think maybe Rhea suffered from being all over the place with, like you say, the Judgment Day having so many so many fingers in so many pies at the moment. Maybe she's been dragged around a little bit. But I'm really looking forward to this, as I said, from a previous manga. I thought Charlotte and Rhea killed it, and there's a great story built in. Um, Ross, is this Rhea's crowning moment? Got to be, hasn't it? The one thing that they've struggled here is they've not done a great job of keeping Charlotte babyface which is difficult <laughs> to, which is difficult to do obviously because she's the queen she's like she said in her promo last week nepotism thrown at her all these things and there was that brilliant line with that, that, that like she said of I built this house with all the bricks that you've thrown at me that's an absolutely brilliant line but it's a brilliant line for a heel not for a babyface <laughs> and it, like double it doesn't work because Rhea is supposed to be the the big bad heel and people love her and want her, to, <laughs> want her to win it's completely backward but but the match itself I absolutely loved the Wrestlemania match and then they had a match I can't remember what pay-per-view it was on but they also had a they had another match on a pay-per-view that was fantastic that again had a terrible build to it and then they just went out there and they kicked ass when the crowds were back I can't remember which pay-per-view that was but It was a fantastic match and these two are going to have a fantastic match. But it's been a confusing build in terms of many different reasons. But the match itself, very excited for it because they've proven that they can have a banger match. And I said it about the Seth Rollins match, but I'm going to put it on this one as well, that this could well be the standout match of the card. Yeah, certainly for me. 
Um, I think the only, I agree that Rhea is hot favourite here, but she did dangle that little carrot about saying um, she had unfinished business with Bianca still. Whether that's Bianca dropping her belt and maybe going into feud, or maybe they're just literally planting the seed for a year down the line, I don't know, but it should be Rhea's time. There is an argument, I guess, that if the men's belt is going to be unified, then maybe the women's one should, so uh, that could true. be like a belt v belt thing down the line, right? Very, very true. Um, and I would be up for it. Still really enjoyed their um, moment they had in the Rumble a few years ago and stuff, so I'd be up for seeing that match. Um, Josh, Charlotte Rhea then, what are we thinking? Are you um, excited for this? Are you, are you in on the build? I am, yeah. I think I'm, I'm a massive fan of what they've done with Rhea Ripley since the Judgment Day started. I think I wanted this to happen with Rhea Ripley, this sort of push, when she was NXT Women's Champion all those years back. Obviously, now's her time. I think the job they did with her in the Rumble was absolutely perfect. I think she needed that sort of thing to kind of give her the rocket to get to where she is now, where hopefully she writes the wrongs of a few years ago and, and beats probably the biggest name in the women's division for a title at WrestleMania. <laughs> I was kind of chuckling to myself, but not in a good way, watching that promo on Friday, because I don't think it's a hot take to say that I don't think Charlotte's a particularly good baby face, and I think she's a fantastic heel. Uh, and I think she probably will say that to you as well, if, you, if anyone ever had the chance to ask her. I think, yeah, I think it's one of those where you kind of need to get have this be like a one and done type thing. Put the title on Rhea, have Charlotte turn heel properly and do something else. And then, yeah, I think after WrestleMania, whatever they do, I think they'll have plenty of challenges for um, for Rhea, hopefully, as the uh, heel SmackDown Women's Champion. Yeah, and I'll reiterate their previous matches. I, did, I actually might have to go and find that one you're on about, Ross, because I don't remember it, but the WrestleMania one was a real barnstormer. Right. We've got through most of the card, boys. We've got one left, and it's a doozy. It's a big one, isn't it? It is the culmination of Cody's return storyline. There's been a massive bump in the middle of it with an injury, but we are now at the point where Cody Rhodes is trying to live out his version of the boyhood dream, taking the WWE title, and whilst he's at it, the Universal one, from Roman Reigns. Like all Cody feuds, the name Dusty Rhodes is mentioned approximately every 30 seconds, but we won't hold that against it because all round this has seen some absolute top tier promo work from Roman, from Cody, from Heyman too. I, I can't say enough good things about it. I'm expecting a big schmozzy match and I really want Cody to get his moment. Ross, is Cody getting his moment? Yes, I believe he is. And he's earned it. He's been fantastic, hasn't he? I think Cody has surpassed what most people thought he was going to do in the WWE. Yep. Like, when you go back to his AEW run, it was kind of, you know, he's kind of over the top. He's not quite the in-ring talent that other people are. And he leans too much into the past and his WWE shtick. And all of those are fairly valid. But I don't think he's put a step wrong since he's gone to the WWE. I don't know if that's unfair to say, but I can't think of one. No, I back you on that. I think he his run's been superb. And, and I also agree that he's probably defied even those who had lofty expectations for him. Josh, you covering Cody in as much glory? Is he getting the job done here? Yeah, more so if possible. I, I've been a Cody follower. I watched him uh, at a WCPW show against... Oh, wait, uh, I'll call him Name Redacted for the purposes of this podcast going out publicly. So I've followed Cody since... You know, he got released from WWE. I had a chance to meet him at a Ring of Honor show. I followed him through Ring of Honor uh, into AEW. And, and thinking about it, I know hindsight's a, a wonderful thing, but 
he was always made for WWE, even when he was in AEW. Uh, and I think he's kind of alluded to this publicly as well, that the way that, you know, the books and Kenny think about wrestling is different to how he does. And, you know, that synergy of those two things, you know, created what we got in AEW. And then I think, like Ross said, since he's come back to WWE, I don't think it could have gone any better, really. I think if it's at all possible, the injury thing worked in his favour. The only thing that I've been worried about in this whole thing was the timing in the sense that were the crowd going to accept the fact that Cody won the Rumble, but we kind of all wanted Sami Zayn or some the majority of the audience wanted Sami Zayn to beat Roman. I think they've done a masterful job in combining those two storylines and having Sami go this way with Kevin Owens, the tag titles and, and Cody kind of being the guy who, you know, got the team back together. I think the promo work has been amazing and I hope it continues. I'm not sure it will, but I don't think Cody and Roman have actually touched yet, which... If they don't up until the match, I think is absolutely masterful because it, it goes back to the old, you know, one of the oldest things in wrestling really is that if you want to see them fight, then buy the pay-per-view. But no, I think this build's been perfect. I think we spoke a lot about Cody and I think from a Roman point of view, it's exactly the promo that Cody cut in him the other day because I really, not I'm not going to criticise Roman's run at all. Uh, I know people might, but I'm not going to personally, but I am ready to see what Cody alluded to in the sense that the bloodline crumbling and then everyone slowly leaving. I'm absolutely ready to see that play out. And then whatever happens with Cody Rhodes, WWE title reign, uh, we'll see. Yep. I think you guys have covered it. I think this match is going to be awesome. A nice crowning moment, we hope. And a culmination of a brilliant return to what was always really Cody's home. But if Roman wins, I suppose we roll with that and see. And we trust <laughs> the process, right? The story's been so fantastic so far. Maybe you'll all get your, your dream of the storyline never ending. So that's, that's, I think, mainly wrapped up. Um, there's just one more thing I wanted to cover. If anyone wanted to kind of go into, there's about 500 million shows happening at the weekend. Ross, is there anything from the weekend that's caught your eye as well as Mania? Obviously, all of the Ring of Honor card just looks ridiculous. But for me, I spoke about it on last week's podcast. I'm massively excited for NXT as well. Gargano, Waller, I think it's going to be fantastic in an unsanctioned match. And... Breaker versus Carmelo Hayes. I said it last week. They've built these two guys up to be the kingpins of the promotion, and they're putting them up against each other for the first time on TV for the big title on the biggest show of the year for them. So I think the build's been fantastic, and I'm very, very excited for it. Yep, yeah, I'll give some love to NXT, and I, I agree with you that Breaker Carmelo is the standout from that card. Nothing more to say apart from everyone should watch it because it's gonna gonna be a real storm of that one. I think. Um, Josh, what's taken your eye from the weekend? Pretty similar to Ross, really. Um, I've kind of got back into NXT in recent months. This NXT show is going to be great. Hopefully the crowning moment of Carmelo Hayes. Whatever happens with this women's title match. Is it a ladder match, isn't it, Ross? Yeah? Yes. Yeah. I think that'll be great. I think the North American title match is going to be absolutely ridiculous as well. And elsewhere, I think the Ring of Honor card pretty much sells itself. Quite interesting to see, storyline-wise, what they do with uh, Eddie and Cardio in the main event. But yeah, that whole card and then... Like we've alluded to, really, I think if anyone looks hard enough, I'm sure they can find shows all over the place. I have double-checked. It is indeed Ibushi and Speedball at Bloodsport on Thursday. It says Thursday. What time that equates to UK time, I can tell you, to be honest. But yeah, those of you who have got access to Fight TV or whatever, I'm sure if you look, there'll be plenty of uh, weird and wacky, wonderful dream matches all over the place. So yeah, it's uh, the perfect weekend to be a wrestling fan, I think, coming up. Yeah. I'm guessing there's a spring break knocking around. Did you know put one of them together again? 
he's got a load of shows. I know he's wrestling right. a douche. So. You've always <laughs> got that. You've always got the big gay brunch. They're just classic fixtures of the Mania weekend now. Uh, they're always worth your time. The Bloodsport in that category too. Bloodsport's not one that I've watched top to bottom, but I always check out the main event and it's always just a brutal two lads elbowing each other's brains in for 10 minutes. It's, it's a certain taste, but it's a taste I like. I think Spring Break is headlined by Bussy versus Makiito and Nick Cage. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what, a, what a match that would be. That sounds amazing. Uh, we'll have to talk about Bussy uh, coming up. They've got that match with Crowley and Falcon, which has had some amazing promos that I want to talk about in the next yeah. couple of weeks. We haven't got time today. And also, uh, my boy Steve Macklin hopefully being crowned as the Impact Champion in that multiverse show. He's got Kushida. It will be a really good match. And if people haven't caught up with Steve Macklin yet, He's not the same guy that left the Forgotten Sons. He is in terms of, he is the same man in terms of personality and ring work. That guy has improved tenfold or just been given the opportunity to improve tenfold. Some fantastic stuff. It's a shame he doesn't get to take that title from Josh Alexander, but I still think he's going to get, again, it's that mania weekend. We've talked about coming ahead, talked about uh, Cody and Rhea getting their flowers. Macklin, just as deserving. And I'm really looking forward to that. Damn right. Um, is there anything else, lads, or are we um, are we going to shoot out of here or do some plugs and shoot out of here? Just to let you know that the Charlotte match was 2021 Money in the Bank. Right. And Meltzer gave it 4.25. Which is a, a five and a half if it happened in the Tokyo Dome. Low, low, low. <laughs> low, low, low. Okay, well, I think we're, um, yeah, we're pretty much done here, Ross. Anything that we need to plug? Uh, just the usual. You did it at the start as well. Instagram, at Written Should Be Fun. Fantastic work from Dom there with news items and live show uh, Instagram stories. And myself on Twitter, WSBFUN, quizzes, opinions, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say it for you, Ross. Loads of bloody great banter. <laughs> Thanks, <man. laughs> Josh, what are you plugging, my mate? Uh, so my blog, nobodyvalley.com. Uh, like I said, I watched WrestleMania 21 yesterday. Uh, so that blog I'm hoping to have out on Friday. That's got Batista, Triple H, uh, JBL, John Cena, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero in the opener, the first ever Money in the Bank, and then one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time with uh, HBK and Kurt. Uh, and then Friday, uh, I do a preview of WrestleMania the morning of every year. Uh, so that'll be out Saturday, sorry. Basically, I, I preview the whole card and then do some personal stuff in there. Started as a bit of a tradition for me during the, um, the COVID lockdown mania when I was a bit down and then kind of realised it was WrestleMania. So yeah, if you want to read about a fun show to go back and watch or you want a more personal WrestleMania preview, then nobodysready.com is the place to go this weekend. So follow Josh, follow Wrestling Should Be Fun on all the platforms. And I think all that's left is for me to say, drink lots of water, look after your mates. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun, wrestling should be fun.